Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. My guest today has served in politics for a very long time and she is currently running uh, for the mayor candidacy. I would like to welcome Paula Southgate. Thank How you, are you very doing? much. I'm doing well, thank you. Thank, thanks so much for coming through. Um, one of the things I want to know before we uh, get into the, the main stuff is um, why you chose to get into politics in the first place because obviously you've served... For a very long time, not yeah. just in the Hamilton City Council, but in the Waikato Regional Council That's as well. That's right, 15 years at Regional Council. Yeah, yeah. So what made you what made you get into it in the first place? Well, it was kind of an accidental journey. I don't think I ever thought I'd become a politician. Yep. Um, I was I had a background in teaching and in counselling, mental health counselling. And uh, when my children were young, I got onto boards of trustees for schools, like a lot of mums do. You know, first of all, I was on the kindergarten committee. Then I was on the board of trustees for Night and Normal. Then I became the chairperson of the board of trustees. And then I got invited onto a number of other boards and working parties, which I enjoyed. And then, of course, people came to me and said, well, have you ever thought of running for council? To which I said, no. So I had a bit of a look at it and... um, took me a while to con- to change my mind and think, well, maybe I can give it a go. And I looked at the regional council and at that time, because I'd been having, a, I'd had a part-time job in um, sustainable business, environmentally yep. friendly business, uh, the work that Environment Waikato was doing at the time, now Waikato Regional Council, yep. was more aligned to what I was interested in at that time. And it was a lot of environment, clean air, clean water, clean soil, public transport, those kind of things. And I thought, you know, I'll pop my name in, I'll give it a go. So I was actually quite surprised. In fact, I was probably equally surprised and a bit um, fearful when I got, when I was successful. I was like, goodness, here I am then. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, then I've worked my way up through regional council on pretty much every committee, environment committee, public transport committee, transport committee, policy and strategy committee, and then the chairperson. So it's kind of been a accidental evolution of local government leadership yeah How, what's the difference that you find in terms of the in terms of working for the Waikato Regional Council as opposed to the Hamilton City Council well it's a, a different set of issues altogether as I yeah. say so we're dealing in the Waikato Regional Council you're dealing with all the resource management issues, the Resource Management Act. So, you know, you're getting stuck into how do we protect our special water quality? How do we protect our beaches, our productive soils, keep the air clean, get people on buses? So, uh, yeah, so it just makes basically the difference is that you're dealing with a whole different set of decisions. Right. Uh, City Council, of course, is dealing with your libraries, your museums, your water, sewerage, your roads, your parks, and all those other kind of matters. Is the discussions similar, though? Oh, the process is similar. Yeah. You know, you've got a chairperson or a mayor, and you've got councillors making the decisions. Yeah. Uh, you get reports, you get field trips, you get some... Well, no, actually, we don't have field trips at the council very often. But um, <laughs> Waikato Regional Council, we used to get out and about, learn about the topic, yep. and then we'd come to the table in a council meeting and make the decisions. Uh, okay. Mm. So in terms of the policies that you want to enact as mayor, mm. um, what would be probably one of the most pressing ones for you? What 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 are some of the things that you feel that the city needs? Yeah, so I'll come back to rates because I do think that's a pivotal issue in this yes. election. Yep. Um, people struggled very much with that unexpected hike that we were that we had. First of all, it was nearly 19%, and then, of course, it was 9.8% in the yeah. end, and I know people struggled. But I'd like to come back to that. Why I'm standing in particular is about the how council runs just as much as what we do. 
I want to bring a more respectful, more inclusive council together, a more positive council. And we were making comparisons before with Waikato Regional Council and Hamilton City Council. And I, I can say this much, that uh, I had a lot more access to information, debate, collaboration with the community in the Waikato Regional Council than I have had in the last three years at the City Council. So why do you think that is? It's just a style, a style of leadership. I mean, I'm very much a collaborator. I'm a very much get in amongst the community and work with them and have them uh, design the solutions. Actually, before that, have them acknowledge what the common problems are together. You know, so you de you decide what the problems are you're tackling as a community, and you design some solutions. Yeah. So with with rates, because uh, what what rate are you wanting the rates to be? Because what they're at nine point seven. Are you wanting them to be? Oh, they've dropped? got yes, yes. And so we're proposing the three point eight percent going yeah. forward from for five years. I wouldn't expect it to go above that. I would be very unhappy if it went above that. Yeah, yeah. I think we have to provide rate certainty, and I know three point eight percent is a little bit over uh, inflation. Yeah, uh, potentially, but inflation's not the only thing that drives costs in our community. We've got construction index, labour index, transport index, all. Uh, having an impact on the work that council does. Yeah. I'd love to offer, you know, rates at CPI or rates at inflation because that would make me very popular with the rate payers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, rates are something that I don't think anybody likes. Nobody likes rates, but, you yeah. know, I won't promise what I can't deliver. And I don't believe I could deliver that in the short term. What I do believe I could deliver is um, consistent low rates as predicted and transparency about what those rates are being used for. Because one of the reasons uh, the rates, well, for the rates increase that Andrew was saying was because uh, we, we haven't managed our assets correctly here. And so the rates increases, well, he used he used Waterworld as an example. Oh, did he? Yeah, he mm. used Waterworld as an example that it wasn't managed correctly. And then by raising the rates, it allows the ability to invest that money to fix things that haven't been uh, managed properly and then to invest in the growth of the city um, with a 9.7 is really necessary. I don't know, you'd probably have, you'd probably know more than the average Joe would. Yeah. Um, do you Do you agree with that though? Well, I'm surprised he said that because I've never heard him say that before, but I have said that myself from the beginning. When I became Chair of Community Services and Environment, I did a tour around all the community facilities that we have, uh, from the crematorium to the libraries, the parks, the yep. zoo, the water world, and I was appalled at the state of the water world, honestly. Yeah. 37-year-old water filtration for a city of this size is pretty revolting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. The flooring material was degrading. You could pick it up with your bare hands. Yeah. And all the acoustic tiles had fallen off. Now, we did deserve better than that. So I pushed very hard to bring the $10.4 million, well, to get the $10.4 million spent in that year rather than being deferred. Yeah. And I think he's absolutely right. What's happened in some instances is to bring down debt, previous council, which I wasn't on, have focused on uh, the debt and they've deferred maintenance. They've deferred maintenance across a broad sweep suite of assets not just water world yeah so how do you how do you allocate the resources to the different areas based on the like how, how do you even structure what the rates increase will be in terms of uh predicting for like growth in the city because obviously hamilton is growing quite rapidly and so obviously money will need to be 
invested back into infrastructure. Of course. And we're talking about rates before. There's a mixture of looking after what we've already got in the city. We talked about the assets, uh, the community facilities. But what we didn't mention, you talk about Waterworld and the library and the pools. Those are all the nice places that community can relate to. But there is sewerage, pavements, uh, roading, and a lot of those need care and attention as well. And then, of course, we've got growth. We've got the big growth in the city. Yeah. And the ratepayer isn't paying for all the growth, of course, because the developers are going to benefit from developing the city. But they do need to pay for a portion of growth from which they will benefit. Um, And that's quite huge. We've got to put a lot of infrastructure in. Yeah. I know you're very big on tourism in Mm. Hamilton. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on this? Because uh, Andrew when I spoke to him, thinks, well, Hamilton, it's an inland city. You pretty much can't have tourism here. But he thinks it could be a tourism hub. But I'm Mm. keen to get your thoughts. Well, I don't agree with him on that count. (laughs) I'm I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm taking notice of a number of reports that have been done over the last few years and before about the potential for tourism. Hamilton Waikato Tourism have done a lot of work looking at what the feasibility for tourism is in Hamilton. Look, they've made it quite clear to us on a number of times, we need to go beyond having the one draw card, which is the Hamilton Gardens, which is fantastic. So I think we'll all agree that people Yeah, the Hamilton Gardens are very good. They are very good. Uh, And, you know, look, all credit to Peter Sergal and his team for for that legacy project that is going to keep on delivering. That's awesome. But you can't put all your eggs in one basket, right? So people come to town, they're looking for more than one thing to do. That's what we've been told. They're looking for um, enough to do that will encourage them to stay a night. So we really need a couple of other attractions. That's why I'm quite keen on um, improving our museum to open up to the back of, open the back out towards the river because we're getting a new jetty. So imagine if you could take a river trip between the gardens and the museum. That would be good. Walk up to the back of the museum, uh, meander through museum, get to the hospitality end of town, and you know have some lunch and all of those good things in a package. That's what we need. We need something else to draw people here. Yeah. Um, So the museum is our second performing tourism asset. The zoo is uh, for domestic tourism is very, very popular. And that's why I pushed for money into zoo development as well. So when you say zoo development, what do you mean exactly? Like more more animals? Um, No, more of a zoo friendly experience. Uh, The the money that I was able to promote in the long term uh, plan budget was to do with the uh, opening and welcoming plaza to the zoo and linking it to the Lake Waifakariki Natural Heritage Park, which yep. is going to be open to the public very soon, yep. uh, and uh, creating that overall experience of coming to the zoo and getting a bit more wow factor about it. Also, we're going to try and drive up some revenue through that by making the cafeteria something that locals can use without having to go through the zoo, uh, and, oh, zoo right. and zoo patrons can use, therefore you know, maximising the use of that space. You're going to be able to enter the zoo through a beautiful plaza and a lemur experience. A lemur experience? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. That'll be good. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, What in regards to, so I've spoken to a a few mayor candidates about Mm. this, but in regards to the river plan. Yes. This seems to be something that's gone on forever in terms of the plans and, and, and everything for it. Angela was saying when she was on here that basically every three years, the river plan gets redone or they re they relook at doing the the plan again. 
Mm. Um, but when's when's the it ever going to start in terms of because I've seen the plan for it yes. and it looks great. Yes. But it seems like it's always getting pushed and yes. it's on the back burner. Yes. And I think that's wrong. I don't think any mayor that gets on council should chuck out all the previous strategies and plans uh, which the public have agreed with. Yeah. The way I saw the river plan, and I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I, I saw the river plan as a blueprint, a guide for how we're going to develop the river. And we need to start implementing that that uh, river plan. It's the one that the public bought into, after all. Yeah. It's the one they've seen and that's the one they understood. Uh, now we're talking about central ri- riverside development and people are uncertain what does that mean? Where, what does it look like? What does it include? What's in, what's out? And I think we need to do, some, um, both Angela and I have been saying uh, for the last year that we need to get some clarity around that. What are we focused on? What are we working with the public towards? So are there, is there certain problems with the plan, though, in terms of how the plan is or anything that, oh, look, that potentially cause problems? The biggest problem with that plan is there was never any money attached to it. Right. Uh, in fact, there were a number of really good visionary strands and uh, plans and strategies for the city council that didn't have any uh, future funding or very minimal future funding attached to them based on the idea that the they would be able to secure partnership funding as as time went on. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we just don't have the money to roll out the whole river plan. We just don't have the money to roll out the whole zoo plan and, and others. But what I think we should do is go back to the public and say, right, what are the priority actions here around the river plan? Yeah. And, and on that note, buying public property on the edge of um, <laughs> uh, Victoria on the river, I voted against yeah. because I don't see that as a priority. If we were making hay while the sun shines and we we're in a very buoyant uplift economy, well, maybe you would sort of grab hold of some opportunities and go far further, faster, you know, but we can't. We were talking about rates before. Yeah. We just don't have that flexibility right now. So how much, if you became mayor, how much of a priority would, would the river plan be? Like where would it be? Where would it sit? Oh, it is a priority. Yeah. Between in the city stretch at the moment, yeah. And um, any other low cost improvements we can do in other areas. I am a great fan of, as I've said, opening up the back of the museum. Yep. Uh, connecting it through uh, by walkways and paths to Victoria on the River, past the new uh, regional theatre. I'm very hopeful that that will um, be completed mm. on time because I think that will really make a big difference to how we... Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I've been to Melbourne, I've been to Brisbane, I've seen how they've incorporated their rivers. Mm. Um, and I think that Hamilton has a lot of potential it in does. that regard. It does. And on that matter, um, I was pleased to push for the uh, refurb of the jetty down below the museum. Yeah. Um, my view on that is it shouldn't be just a boring plank of wood jetty. It should be something that's at least attractive mm. for the... That's, that's where tourism is going to go. They're going to go from the museum to the gardens. Yeah. Um, and it would be nice if that jetty was completed for summer. Um, we've had a lot of whole pushbacks with being able to get a barge and it costing a lot more than we thought it would and so forth, um, which is really all disappointing. But I'm hope it's up and running for the summer so that people can connect those two wonderful experiences, town and gardens. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Are you a supporter of the Waikato Regional Council? I mean, the Regional Theatre, sorry. I am. I am. Look, I was very uh, disappointed, as many of the public were, that founders fell into such a state, really. Yeah. There again, let's uh, remember what we talked about before, deferred maintenance. 
Now, I know it needs uh, significant er earthquake strengthening. I accept that. But the reason it's in that condition in the first place is because the maintenance schedule wasn't appropriate. Yeah. And the, the fly tower became dangerous. We had to close, they had, the previous council had to close it. And then, of course, that kicked in the new earthquake strengthening provisions and the whole project got a lot more expensive. I really do understand why peop, some people are um, saddened by the closure of founders. It's called founders because the founders of the city gifted it to the city. Yeah. So, you know, I think we need to respectfully remember that. Having said that, um, we're at council wondering where we're going to find the money to fix founders to a good standard. In through the door comes the Momentum Trust offering $70 million to match up, to go above and beyond our own contribution and build a $120 million special theatre on the riverside. Yeah. You know, it all changed from that moment for me. How can you walk away from $70 million of uh, philanthropic yeah. money? Well, unfortunately, some people have an emotional attachment to things they and they find it hard to let go of something. So, yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen on both sides people that are for it and people mm, that are against it. Yeah. So with the, with the regional theatre, when that happens, unsure when that I mean, I had Andrew on here and he said it was going to happen. Any, the last amount of funding was going to happen any day now, but that was... Uh, two months ago or a month ago. Yes. Um, and then I spoke to Angela and she's like, no, that's not any day now. But is is there um is there been any progress in terms of the remaining amount of funding that's coming through? No, we're still waiting on a final decision from uh, government as to where they're going to put some regional development funding in there. Right. Do you know when you'd find out? Uh, no. Or is we, it totally we, on them? Well, well, it's on them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We hope it won't be too long. Um, because, you know, we need to get some certainty and lock in budgets for next year and so on. But, yeah. um, you know, they'll make their, de it's a complex decision. They've really got to weigh up against all kinds of other projects across the country. Of course, yeah. And determine whether um, this is the project that's going to deliver the benefits. It seems they are already investing quite a bit into Hamilton, though, mm. um, with, with the train and with Peacock. So um, hopefully that does happen. What would you like to see happen to founders, though? when the go-ahead happens with the regional yeah, theatre. Yeah, look, that is a conversation we must have with the public. Mm. I don't think it's just one that council should make on its own. For all of those reasons you said before, there's an emotional attachment to the theatre because it was gifted to the city. Uh, some people would like to use it. We've had a number of people coming and saying it could be a community hub, it could be an in indoor sports uh, hub for things like futsal and yeah. And, um, and other people have said it could be a children's museum. Uh, and so we could look at those opportunities, but they would have to have a strong business case. Whatever it will be must be consistent with the West Town Belt plan that we just approved last week. Of course. Yes, yes. Yeah. But mixed use like um, community use, sporting facilities or green space are all um, activities that would comply with that strategy. Fair enough. And uh, what's your plan for revitalizing the CBD? All right. Oh, yes. Oh, well, I wish <laughs> I could do that overnight, but I see. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's a big, big yeah. thing. I I don't. To be perfectly honest, I don't think it's one thing that's it's gonna not. that's gonna fix it. It's it's gonna be a number of factors. I do think the river plan yeah. and the theatre does um does play a part. But are there any specific things that you can think of or would like to note that would in, improve it? 
somewhat? Yeah, there's a number of things that need to happen and City Council can only be responsible for some of that. Yeah. Um, we need good quality urban design. We need more people living in the city, in and around the city, because that drives up the overall economy of the city. People go and use the retail and the and go to go to the shops, go to the restaurants, go to all the things that are going on in the central city. Well, that so, ties back. That ties back to uh, the red tape and uh, how high you can build and townhouses and public. Yes, well, yeah. High density housing within yeah, the look, CBD. I'm all, I'm a fan of high density. How high we can go, I guess we'll well time will tell. Um, the, there's a bit of consultation open at the moment to see if um, high much more than six yeah. story high rise buildings could be a part of the city. Why was that even implemented in the first place, the the restrictions on height? Um, well, it's a legacy of previous councils, so I'm not sure why they restricted it. But I do know um, there are lots of re factors you've got to consider when you go to high-rise um, uh, there's the geotechnical issues with the land. Can, yeah, you, can you actually put the weight on it? Yeah. But then there's other issues like shading and blocking views of other people and all kinds of things that come into consideration. But um, well, I'm not opposed to high density in the city. I think it will add value. How high? I don't know. Are we going to have gold coast skyscrapers? I think not, probably. Um, I wouldn't think so. No, no. <laughs> Do, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, so I that's think it'll probably strange. sensibly land somewhere in between. But the developers know best where the threshold is for making things affordable for themselves. You know, they've, yeah. got, they've got a square block of land. How many houses and offices can they put on there to be viable? I think so, I think I remember Andrew saying that once you get above six levels, it gets it very expensive. Very expensive, yeah, yeah. Due to the yeah the fertile yeah. land and it not having a strong foundation. Yeah, yeah. But we have got some fantastic developments that are six stories and below that are actually meeting the needs of the city. I was yeah. I got a, a sneak uh, preview of um, not a preview. I got a little tour of um, Parkhaven opposite the Founders. Oh yes. Yeah, and those are fantastic. Uh, yeah, they beautiful apartments. Yeah. Um, They've not... got the ones next to them as well. What's the, yeah, the London? Yeah. I haven't ones. looked at those. I've only seen them from the outside and from the plan. And I think they provide for um, growth of the city as well. I think they're good for the city, bring people right into the city more affordably. Yeah. Um, and the Parkhaven ones offer that, that quality in a city professional, urban professional uh, worker type of apartment as well. So, yeah. I mean, we need a range. We need a range of accommodations in the city. So we, we get um, single people, students, workers, um, retirees, whatever, coming into the city for a lifestyle. I did see that the the, the U Union Square development, yeah. which will be which looks will be nice, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. Um, as to when that's happening over the next few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of these things you were saying, how to revitalise the city, it won't happen overnight because it's going to take several years for some of those things to be completed. But we'll see, um, we're seeing signs of improvement as we go. Yeah. Because, uh, for example, the Waikato Regional Council are moving into the old Kmart building. That's right. And that will allow for refurbishment of the Hamilton East building, um, possibly into a mixed use of apartments and commercial and, and eating spaces. Yeah. Uh, um, as I say, Parkhaven is an example of a very successful inner city blend of office Cafe uh, Living. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I'm only saying that one um, because I actually went in and had the tour. So oh, no, right. okay. no disrespect to any other developers out there who are doing similar good good things because, uh, yeah, I think that's all what the city needs. Yeah. Okay. Public transport. 
Mm. Now, uh, obviously, this train is happening. It's yep. all all full full steam ahead. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. I didn't even realize I said that. But um, <laughs> uh, with with the so currently it'll be stop in Frankton and yeah. then go to uh, outside the base and then yes. we'll go. Is there a potential for a station to possibly happen? Because I know there used to be the underground one. The underground one that's underneath Kmart, isn't oh, it? Yeah. yeah. Could that be um, refurbished to possibly make for another stop? At some point, or well, have, of course, there is costly? potential for that. Well, yeah. yes, yes, it would be costly. I was going to say there is potential for that to have yeah. an inner city um, station, but you know that all depends on the money, doesn't it? It depends who can fund that. Um, the other thing with uh, a train between Hamilton and Auckland is you don't actually want too many stops because you slow the whole surface down. That's surface right. Down. That's right. And you know it's already an hour and forty-five minutes, so it's not a fast train at this point in time. No. Uh, and that's always going to constrain it a little bit, in my view. I think I'm really looking forward to seeing how many people do transfer from. Oh yeah, I'm interested. Com- yeah. I'm interested to see if it's packed or if it's if it's not. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, I guess the user, the potential users, won't know if it meets their needs until they start using it. Using it, yeah. Um, for me, I'd love to have seen it go to the airport. I think that's a real uh, Auckland airport. I think that's oh, yeah, a that needs real. To happen. Um, but Auckland needs a train that just goes from the airport to the CBD as well. Well, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And that's what we've got to remember with any transport solution we have coming from Hamilton. We do get to Auckland. And when we get to Auckland, we're amongst their transport problems. Yeah. So they need to work through their transport problems. But this but this train has obviously been a partnership between uh, multiple yes, multiple yeah. parties, including Auckland. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, um, have you had much involvement in that, though? Less so recently. Of course, I was heavily involved the last time that a um, train service was proposed, but the, it didn't get any government funding um, because the business cost ratio wasn't um, wasn't ago, very good. How long ago was it? Uh, that would have been three, three years ago, three, four years ago when we were at the regional council. Okay. On the transport committee. So within three years, they changed their minds What's on the it? business case. I said, no, no, there's different government, different priorities. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah different priorities for investment. Um, But, you know, the the National Party was very much focused on State Highway 1 and they did achieve an incredible amount of development into roads and the Labour Party and the government at the moment, of course, is sustainable transport and getting people off the roads. So, you know, that's the the new focus. Very supportive. Have you you spoken to any other public that plan to use it? Uh, I bump into people from time to time who say they're so excited they can't wait to use it. Um, certainly Fonterra, for example, uh, see a way of getting them their people from the uh, Crawford Street Depot or the Fonterra factory up into the head office uh, in Auckland. Yeah. Um, yes, it's all anecdotal at the moment. You know, you bump into people who say, oh, I won't use it, it's too slow and it doesn't go right into the heart of the city. And other people say, oh, look, I'm going to use it because I can sit there with my laptop and have a coffee and a croissant and do my business on the way up, you yeah, know, yeah. that kind of thing. So it's a bit of a split. Is the uh, is the council, have, have the council talked about future aspirations with it, though, in terms of what, like, let's say, for example, it was a, a roaring success. Yes. Yeah. Like, how, like, do you have any ideas of how you'd want to expand it, besides from just other towns like Pocono and... Oh, we do have some blue sky thinking around that. And I think that's really important to push for the future. 
uh, because tr travel and uh, transport is all going to change quite a lot in the next decade for a variety of reasons. Yes. Um, I'd like to, my blue sky thinking about the train, I'd like to see it on a faster track, faster a service. Yeah. Uh, if we could get it under an hour, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? That really oh, yeah. change the whole. Uh, that changes the whole game. It does. Yeah. I think there's a potential to go east west as well and bring in uh, Morrinsville, Matamata, even to Tauranga in the future. I'm a massive, massive fan of getting freight off main roads and onto rail. And that's another focus. Well, that's also good for roads as well. It is. It, it, in terms of maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. So if we can get a lot of our heavy freight on a train from uh, where, it's, where it's produced to market, Auckland Market or Tauranga, well, that would to probably, the ports, that would be great. Yeah. Well, the inland port that's being built. So yeah. that could possibly yeah. be an option. Mm. Yeah. And in regards to buses, this has been an interesting one because... Buses. Yeah, because I only found out recently that it's the Waikato Regional Council that deals with that. Whereas when I spoke to Andrew, he was saying that he wants to make buses free and for everyone. But I was I was thinking, well, is that a decision? It's not you, a decision just for make? the City Council. No, yeah, it's yeah. for the Transport Committee of the Regional Council, of which Hamilton City is a member, of course. Right. And they have a joint passenger transport committee that works through those issues. Um, Hamilton City Council is actually only responsible directly for the infrastructure around buses, you know, the, the bus stops and things like that. Uh, well, that would make for an interesting... It makes for an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you have to get uh, regional council agreeing with you that that is a good investment. And how do you do that? How do you, how do you convince them that it is a good investment? Well, they've got wonderful transport staff there for a start, yeah. and it is about dialogue. It is about understanding the data and having a good dialogue about where buses should go and how they should be run. And the free bus issue is an interesting one to me because I used to be on the regional council, so I was on the other side of the argument. Right, I see. I mean, those ratepayers, if the ratepayers are the ratepayers, they're the ratepayers, same ratepayers whether it's regional council or Hamilton council, right? Well, if the Waikato regional council is the one that fund these buses so that and Waikato Regional Council mm. doesn't just cover Hamilton it's yep. the the out of towns of rural yes, areas as yes. well so but the Hamilton ratepayer pays for the Hamilton services yeah um through the regional council or yeah and through the city council in some way um free buses means free to the user that's getting on but it's not necessarily free because somebody's paying for it the rate well, payers yeah. paying for I it i mean I've, I've said this yeah. a lot but when something's free it's not actually free it's someone never... paid for it somewhere that's that's absolutely right and yeah. that doesn't mean it shouldn't be free to the user it just means that we should be transparent where the costs lie and so um, I supported the free buses for those with disabilities. That does make sense to yep. me. Uh, the total mobility taxis and the taxi services do a great job, but they can't meet the entire need. So this will give those with disabilities much more accessibility to the same places and services as the rest of the community. That's brilliant. Um, it's always been subsidised for students, school students, but that has meant, and of course, then the gold card uh, holders ride it for free, not off peak. Yeah. And so that means that the majority of the service is being funded uh, from a use pays portion from uh, that middle band of people who are neither students or seniors. They're paying a full fare. Yeah. And the ratepayers are paying the rest. I mean, I see the buses empty. 
a lot. Oh, yes. Like a lot. You know how how many years I've had this discussion? Probably about 12. <laughs> it's interesting because that's a perception, uh, but the trend is for the buses to be completely full at peak. In fact, sometimes you can So they are full at peak. And absolutely. Then, and then just off peak, they're just absolutely. nobody in yeah, them. Yeah, that's why regional council had to put on those extra orbiter buses because the schools, of course, the school buses were came off yeah. a couple of years ago. So the schools were all on those buses at peak time. Um, that made it hard for commuters too because they have to get on the bus and compete with all the school children going to school. Yeah. But it's good that the buses are full and uh, uh, the trend is for gold card users to use the buses during the day and they do, but they might, they're smaller in number travelling around to where they want to go. Um and people say, oh, you know, why couldn't you put on a smaller bus? It's that simple. It's it's not actually, because then you've got two bus fleets to maintain, two bus fleets to register, big and large. Yeah, You've got to store them when they're not being used and, uh, you know, swap them around. It's not necessarily any cheaper. And actually, a uh, half-size bus isn't half the price of a big-size bus. It doesn't quite work like that. So from my point of view, it's about focusing on, uh, transferring people out of cars onto buses to make the economy of the bus system better, and then you can add further improvements. Yeah, well, this is a discussion or even an argument that seems to happen quite a bit in terms of the value of buses. Like, what's what's the most important thing? Whether it's time, you know, or convenience or money, and a lot of people seem to think it's convenience. I mean, I'm originally from Auckland, so. Mm. One of the problems I had with buses is if you're in a bus and then it's in traffic mm. and there's no bus lane there, then yeah. it, it doesn't really make much sense to be on a bus because you might as well just be in your car and driving. So when when I discussed this with Andrew, I was mm. thinking, well, I said to him, hey, well, can you have bus lanes? And, he's, and he said, well, the, the argument is that we need to get people on buses first and then look at bus lanes. Mm. And then when I spoke with Angela, she was saying that, well, in 10 years, buses aren't really going to be, they're going to be redundant because of autonomous cars. Um, I'm not sure I quite agree with that, but um, <laughs> but what's, what's your thoughts on the whole, on how to get more people using buses off peak times? Mm. And do you agree with the whole uh, nature of bus lanes? Look, I think that is the next step forward to have dedicated um, public transport lanes. Uh, I also, Auckland has the um, uh, carpool lanes as well. So that yes. if, if you've got T2, than, T2 lanes. Yes, yep. exactly. And I think those have got some merit too, because if, uh, if you go down River Road, as I do on a morning to get to work, I'd say 98% of those vehicles have a sing single occupant in them. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So, you know, that that will have to change because petrol is going to get more and more expensive. Uh, Congestion is going to be a factor. And so people are going to have to travel smarter. Uh, in terms of the bus lanes, yes, the regional council identified a long time ago that the next big investment needs to be dedicated transport lanes and um, on the key routes. Because I think you're right, what... I don't think a three or four or five dollar bus fare is the key issue for the user. It's is that bus going to turn up on time? Is it going to get to work in a good time? A and um, is it going to actually go where I want to go? So yeah. there's three factors in my view. Uh, I I 
agree in part with the autonomous vehicles, but we've been talking about um, the evolution of transport now for some time. <laughs> yeah. And it's slower than anybody expected. The technology exists for some of that. I actually think if there were autonomous vehicles, they might well still be public vehicles rather than small vehicles. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing because also I notice with Hamilton is this a lot of roads that are one lane, mm. one lane each side. So theoretically, you couldn't even put a bus lane in no. those roads as well. No. And I know, I know Rotatuna and Flagstaff gets very, very congested. And I think it's, is it um, <laughs> River Resolution Drive? I think it. It is, which are one lane mm. each side, and it gets very congested. So, I mean, even some of these roads, if you were to put in bus lanes, um, well, you wouldn't be able to put in bus lanes. Do you know if I, I understand that this is the case, but is Peacock being designed with bus lanes in mind? It's being designed to be bus friendly. Whether that includes bus lanes, I'm not sure. What's what do you mean by bus friendly? Well, you, you know, you for start. The northern suburbs were designed uh, in a way that buses couldn't even get into the majority of those cul-de-sacs because they can't get in and turn around and come out again. So you need a certain um, urban design to enable buses to go into mm. the communities, pick people up and get out again. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's the start. Um, I haven't looked at the detail around the buses for Peacocks, to be honest, but I do know that um, key to the discussion has also been cycleways and walkways that are, you know, that's, that, that connect to the part, city. Yeah. Particularly with Lime scooters. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I've seen some. Have you? Uh, yeah, I've seen some yeah. around. I read, I read, I think yesterday or something, though, that one or two ended up in the river. I don't oh, even know how that happens. Really? Yeah. I don't even know how that happens. Yes. <laughs> well, over the weekend, it's likely they're going to be used to get people into town and back, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it's yeah. particularly good for places like Hamilton East that are close to the CBD mm, where mm. you can just use a Lime scooter yeah. and and be there in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Do you think I should use one to deliver my election pamphlets? That would be a good idea. <laughs> and it shows that you are supportive of climate change in a way because you're not using a fossil fuel car. And yes. young people, well, the, yeah, this yes. segues into the next uh, question I have for you in regards to climate change because this is a very, very big issue. I know obviously in the regional council, they will obviously be uh, looking at this, considering they deal with the environment. Uh, and a lot of young people mm. are very passionate about mm -hmm. this subject. Yeah, I know Louise Hutt is. Yes. Um, so what's what's your thoughts on how how can we uh, help help with the environment? You know, how do we reduce? Uh, how does New Zealand, well, Hamilton in particular, play its part in helping the environment? I know there's people on the council that don't even believe in climate change. Yes, and I'm not going to speak for anyone else. <laughs> no, so. no, 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 but that's all right. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I am actually going to deliver my pamphlets on an electric bike with a big basket on the front. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because last time I did a lot of walking and it takes a long time to walk as far as you have to walk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, are, you gonna, are you doing it on your own or are you going to have like your oh, campaign team? Oh, I've got, yeah, friends and team. I haven't video. got a big team, but I've got lots of friends and volunteers through Facebook well, and so that's on. That's good. That's good. And, and you it's know, about quality, not quantity. Absolutely. But, you yeah. know, it's surprising who gets hold of you and says, I'll do this uh, area for you or whatever. That's just lovely. But um, Electrify NZ are going to lend me a bike to, or hire, I might hire it off them to um, go around and do my electric 
uh, my election pamphlets. Yeah. Because there's some very big areas of the city to get around. So, <laughs> but so back to climate. Yeah, go back yeah. to climate. I'll ask you. There's a question I want to ask you, but I'll ask you after climate. But yeah, yeah keep going. Yeah. Oh, so climate. It's an interesting issue. Um, Obviously, I moved to declare a climate emergency, and that was lost on the casting vote um, by Councillor Mallet at that point in time. And we defaulted then to um, uh, a motion that requires us to do a climate action plan. Now, we do already have the sustainability principles, the sustainability strategy, which does have some climate-related actions in it. And my view is we need to be getting through those um, a little, with a little bit more urgency for a yep. start. Uh, I've been sitting on a policy advisory group at Local Government New Zealand now for six years, and one of the key topics has been climate. And, the, and we've been advising government on a Local Government New Zealand position on climate. And it's interesting because that started off in the first place with a little bit of reluctance around local government councils to acknowledge the scale of the problem. But we had some yeah. independent reports done on, for example, the amount of infrastructure that's at threat because of sea level rise as a consequence of changing climate. Yeah. And it's an extraordinary amount of money for New Zealand to find. Well, to I saw there's a website, I'm not sure if you've seen it, that actually shows what will happen Yes. to New Zealand if there's, say, a 7 to 10 metre yes. sea level rise. Yes. Um, and in terms of, uh, because most of our population of our country is situated on the on the coasts. Yeah. Um, Hamilton, well, with the 10 metre one, it doesn't really affect us too much. But if you if you got to the 20 or 30, then yeah. it's, yeah, it, basically Hamilton would be wiped out. But um but so, we will be we will be affected by the economic effect of climate yes. change. Yes, well, that's right. That's right. Because uh, insurance and reinsurance is going to become more problematic over time. Eighty percent of the world's population live on the coasts. Most cities are on coasts, actually. But um, we rely on an insurance market to cover us for disasters. Yeah. And uh, you know, we we can see there was a big effect when after Christchurch on the insurance prices. And if there were further catastrophes, it would start to hit the economy and the insurance market. I know that for a fact. Well, there's some, I've read that and some insurance companies are just considering even just no Not insurance, insuring, no insuring at, anything that's... That below a hazard line yeah, and so on. Yeah, or anything yeah. that's on, on a coast. I mean, that could yeah. become an... Uh, it could become an issue. And yes, we're an inland town, but we're still affected by the economy also on that part. But we have... a. We have a wonderful opportunity. We're one of the safest cities in New Zealand, so we should be setting up for success, yeah. knowing, that, of course, that if our neighbours have some emergencies, they might be calling on us or coming our way you know, for assistance yeah. um, or to relocate. You know, why wouldn't they? Yeah. But you know, we've got a lot that we can do within our core business. For example, I'm a great fan of sustainability and biodiversity and so on. Yep. One, of, one of my policies would be to restore the um, Gully Restoration Fund uh, that the previous council got rid of, um, or reduced, I should say. It's not fair to say got rid of. They reduced it. Did they say why they reduced it? Well, I guess this was all part of focusing on debt repayment right. at the time. Okay. You know, it was yeah. a decision made and about I, priorities. I think it's important that people realise, because I don't think a lot of people get this, is that you don't have an infinite amount of money. Like when you allocate money to something... Mm you're usually taking resources and money away from something else. And I don't think some people understand that. Um, 
Well, that's right. And that's where, as some of the other candidates would have said also, it's about funding priorities. What yeah. should we be focused on? But given that we should respond to climate, I think um, uh, doing a better job of our green spaces, planting our green spaces, has double benefit. First of all, if it's a mitigating factor against climate change, uh, planting trees and, and green areas. The second of all is it does restore a biodiversity in our city, uh, which is also under threat. Mm. So you, I think you get a tick, tick there. But we've got the opportunity. We've got a fantastic uh, network of gullies. Yeah. Um, and so it's not like we have to find new green spaces. We just need to take care better care of our existing green space. Yeah. So that's one thing we can do. The other thing we've talked about is the transport, is moving people from single um, occupant vehicles into either more mass transit modes, whatever they might look like. They're pro probably going to become more electric vehicles or other forms of energy. Well, it definitely energy. needs to happen. It does. New Zealand's under-invested in public uh, transport for so long. I mean, you go to any other city or country in the world and their public transport usually mm. is a lot better mm. than uh, New Zealand's. We just tend to... But it's. I feel it's a kind of a culture thing as well. It's ingrained. It's, oh, it's, we we've do been doing it for cars. Yeah, we've been doing it for yeah. so long yeah. that we're used to driving these cars, we're driving mm. in our cars. So trying to convince people... Get out of your car. Get out of your car and go into public transport <laughs> yeah. is, is a difficult thing to do. It is a difficult thing to do. And that's where it comes back again to convenience and and uh, reliability. Yeah. If you know you can walk out of your house, go 100 metres down to the bus stop, get on a bus because it's coming every 10 minutes, it's going to take you directly where you want to go. You won't have to pay for parking, all of those kind of things. You'll never be late for work, all of those kinds of things. Uh, and that it'll be a comfortable, safe journey. You'd do it, wouldn't you? More likely than they're not. Are you, it just came to me now, but are you for more car parks in the CBD? No. 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 Okay. No, I'm not. Um, the reason being is that I think clever management of the existing parking spaces is uh, appropriate. Yeah. Uh, but there again, one of the things uh, about our CBD is we're still a bit confused about where pedestrians are paramount, where pedestrians <laughs> are the most important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I say to people, I go, I say, well, uh, name three really pedestrian-friendly spaces in the CBD where walkers are number one. Yeah. I, I can't even think of any. Well, that's well, the reaction I get all of the time. And then and then after they've thought this, well, garden place. Yeah, garden place. Yeah, garden place. And then they'll uh, some of them will remember that Victoria on the River is, you know, a nice space where there are no cars, but yeah. it doesn't connect it's, to it's, anything at the moment. You, it's so out of the way, though. Yeah. Like, you don't, you, you totally forget about it sometimes yeah. because it's obviously down here like the 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 river the, the, yeah. the base of the cliff is here and the river the river path is down here so it's easy to forget about that yes it is it is and it's a lovely space when you're in it it's very pedestrian friendly um but you know we need to connect it to something that's where the river paths and connecting to the new museum and uh, to the new theater and the back of the museum will help yes. because you'll be able to walk along all of that I'm a big fan of our river paths, by the way. Um, I'm still um, disappointed that we're waiting on the London Street slip to be restored. I mean, how long has that been? Too, too long. Far <laughs> too long. But um, 
yeah, we've got a pedestrian strip between the two shopping centres, downtown plaza and centre place. Uh, you can walk through there knowing that you're sort of pretty safe from any other vehicles. Yeah. But um, Civic Square, I suppose. But none of those to me feels like really excellent pedestrian spaces. And don't even get me started on that shared um, car walkway thing between Civic Square and Garden Place. That is rubbish. Does not work. Would, would you consider at some point making Victoria Street or a majority of it just pedestrian friendly? So no, just turning it into well, similar to Garden Place, I suppose, where you could just walk the whole whole way. I know I they're think, doing it in Queen Street in Auckland, but obviously we're not quite there yet. But would that be mm, something you'd yeah, potentially? So long, so long as um, so long as it allows for emergency vehicles, of course, to get down there. Oh yeah, is, of course, you know, of course. Um, but there are towns where uh, they've uh, given more priority to pedestrians in the main retail areas, and it works yeah. really well. Um, uh, Napier's one, for example, right, right down yes, that main course. street, yep, and yep. Uh, you know the cars can get through, but they've got to kind of go really, really slowly round what is essentially safe pedestrian space. People are out in the cafes, and that's fantastic. But it's funny how times change. I was thinking just recently about Joe DeMaio, previous city councillor, yep. who used to own the coffee and gelato shop right by the um, central library. Oh yes, and the battles he faced to allow him to put some chairs and tables to serve ice cream out into Garden Place. So so things evolve and the public have greater expectations now of being able to safely walk and eat and move around public space, don't they? Yeah. I, there's been multiple designs, I suppose, or multiple attempts to revitalise Garden Place. Yeah. Um, are you actually wanting to invest any more money into it? No, not at this time. Oh, thank God. Okay. No, good. <laughs> no. But what I would say is that uh, two things. If uh, private investors want to come to the table and have some ideas, I think we should be very much open to that. Yeah. Um, we should be good tenants in Garden Place ourselves, self, and that's why I pushed very hard for the refurbishment and uh, renewal of the front of the Hamilton City Council Library. Right. So you'll see the smart office space is already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, still waiting to see how successful that will be. But um, also we've freshened up with that beautiful Boone, Boone Street art mural. Yeah, that which looks is nice. awesome. Yep. And it's all behind um, plywood at the moment because the whole of the front of the library is going to be opened out to community space. Right. Uh, there's going to be a technology space. You'll be able to go in and try some new technology, print, plastic printing and all sorts of things that children will be able to get involved in. Yeah. And adults. I might give it a go. <laughs> and um and, and it'll be nice big broad steps right down to the main part of the library. That narrow little ramp's going to to disappear. Uh, and then what you'll have is people being able to walk past the library and look in and say, gosh, fabulous things are going on in there. I'm gonna go. Or people in the library being able to engage better with the outdoor space and garden place and think, oh, there's a little event, there's some sing people singing or there's, you know, there's a display. I'm going to go out and have a look. Yeah. Um, and we can control that because that's our building. Of course, mm. yes. So. Ah, okay. So in regards to your campaign trail, yes. so what, how, how's that been going for you? Like what's, what's your campaign mostly been about in terms of how you get the word out there? Well, I mean, I mean, it, I'll I'll be honest, Andrew. It looks like he's spamming like everything with his billboards. They're just everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas I know Angela's been going door knocking. 
Um, and you've mentioned doing your electric bike run, and are you putting so just putting pamphlets and letterboxes? Yes, but look, I have been door knocking, yeah. and I door knocked last time too. So the really nice thing about that is I door knock, and quite often people recognise me, so that's lovely, and they say, "Oh, hi," you know. They know who uh, you yeah. are. Well, that's so, good. Which is really nice. Look, I don't have a big budget. I won't lie. I don't have the resources to run a really big campaign, wow. and yeah. I'm not being supported by any big business either. So um, I'm putting my own money into this up to about twelve or 15000 Last time I spent 27000 of my own money. Wow. And I'm really pleased and proud that people are supporting me with small donations. The average size of donations that I've been getting is about $200. Uh, some people have been sponsoring me a lunch, you know, $10, $20 through my donor box. And that's really heartwarming because it no, then I know that those people are really genuinely supporting me but wanting nothing in return yeah. from me. Yeah. So I, I'm going to have to do a wise campaign. I can can only do what I can afford. Well, you're you're quite engaged online, and mm. I've I've noticed in a lot of the different uh, Facebook groups and, and of that nature. So I, which is which is good because some candidates aren't. No. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's very bizarre. Yeah. But with your door knocking, obviously I'm 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 I gather you'd. <laughs> probably talk to these people for a few minutes when you're going door knocking? Oh, it depends. Um, some are quite happy just to um, receive a business card or a flyer and, and, and say hello and, and, and that's it. <laughs> you know, be invited to look at my website. And, um, yep. you know, some of the more... Uh, the nicest ones you get are when you open the door. Oh, I'm already voting for you. And yeah, that's yeah. cool. Oh, that's Thank nice. you. Um, but um, some people do want to ask you uh, some questions. Uh, some people invite you in for a cup of tea. There's only so much of that you could do. Um, otherwise, you'd be, you know, drinking lots and lots of tea. Um, and uh, you know, so I usually give them a good bit of time if they've got good questions they want to ask me. So I will answer. Yeah. And then if I feel I've run out of time for that, I will invite them to email me the rest of their questions or 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 offer to come back at another time because you can't, you can't spend half an hour at everybody's house. It just doesn't work. Oh no, no. Because no. I'm I imagine with your campaign, you've obviously got time constraints and you've got to allocate your time into so many different things. Well, but when... yeah, that's interesting because I believe that even though we're campaigning, we should be still at council doing council work. So I've been attending all the workshops as far as I can and I've been attending all the all of council committees. Um, and I think that's what you are supposed to do because I'm still employed right up until October oh, yeah. as a city councillor. Of course. So I try to fit my electioneering outside of council hours and, yeah. and that constrains you a bit too i think a lot of uh, pretty much all the candidates are doing that aren't they so oh i think there's some that could be at council more often really that's all i'm going to say okay all right <laughs> but when you speak to these people what are some of the issues that they speak to you about what are some of their concerns like when you uh, speak to these people oh well, rates does come up of course um well, all of the things we've talked about, actually, a cycleways comes up. People like cycleways. People are interested in the train. Um, people just want change. They want positive change is what, mm. I, what I'm hearing. Mm. Um, they are want... they happy with the way the things are now or happy with anything or are they kind of in the middle? Or do, uh, or do you mm. – I mean, obviously, it's going to be different person to person, but yeah. the overwhelming majority 
are they are they happy? Are they want things changed well, not, or are they unhappy? They're unhappy about the large rates increase that was imposed upon well, them. In yeah, the last I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not happy with it either. No, no. And many of us pushed and pushed and pushed as hard as we could to get that as low as practical. Yeah. Um, and you know, politics is a game of of uh, influence and. Co- and coalitions and you, you've got you know you can't always get what you want I pushed for it to be lower and slower than yeah. 9.8 but I accept I couldn't get there so it is what it is um, I've agreed to the 3.8 going forward um, unless we can find any greater financial efficiencies which I'll be looking for Yeah. Uh, so the rates is an issue uh, but once you ta- start talking to people about why what are the financial challenges they do accept that they're not completely opposed to spending money on yeah, their I, city. I think the problem is is transparency. Yes. You have to be transparent with people. But then also part of the problem is politics is a very, very complex. And most people probably don't understand the full extent of how it works. Yes. And often, and this, I'm not just saying this for just Hamilton, but I'm speaking probably for the whole country here, mm. is you have to condense usually a whole bunch of information into these small little bullet points, like with a website or even with pamphlets, or even if you're doing a radio show or television. I saw Louise on the project, I think, and she she was basically condensing her whole campaign into two minutes, you know. Yeah. And even with some of these debates I've seen, you've got a minute or two minutes to convince people. And it must be so frustrating. It is frustrating. And you must like how do you how do you even approach, you know, because you get asked a question and you've got thirty seconds to answer it or a minute to answer it. Yeah. And you're trying to convey these these huge, huge uh, matters into into small bullet points hmm. for the people because obviously you've and particularly with young people you know they've got about thirty seconds or a minute to have their full attention and then they they switch off as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you how do you even approach um, getting the word out to the public and without it being spun as well because hmm. some media will spin an article yes. into yeah. a negative you know, a negative clickbait article, basically. Oh, look, it's extraordinarily hard. But one way I tackle it is I'm out in the community all of the time. And actually, I'm quite lucky because I am chair of community services and environment. So I attend a lot of community functions. Right. And then when you're in and amongst the people all of the time, you get a chance to chat and talk and understand what they're about. and They get to know you better. And they can engage with you. My Facebook page, I'm quite pleased with because I I generate discussion and conversation again about issues i don't just pop up an issue and yeah well this I've, is I've, what been, I've, I've been on some mm. pages and i've seen seen you commenting and and, and stuff which is which yeah. is cool so, yeah. so you are engaged oh uh, yes yeah so i use as many ways of being engaged as possible of course i've got a website for those people who really want to drill down into the how are you going to do this and how are you going to do that it's up there it's been up there for three months now so yep. um uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. I mean, Twitter's a one-liner, isn't it? And a po- uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's and that's a video or a, a photo. Point. Yeah. Um, but that is the sad truth that some of the electioneering will come down to name recognition. That's where the billboard battle begins. Well, I think um, I think particularly uh, because there'll be a lot of people that don't really pay attention, mm. even with all this information, they don't really know they're going to vote for, mm. and they probably just vote. For someone based on, I mean, I know a few people. I mean, I've only been in the city for four years. I didn't actually vote in the last election because yeah. I haven't been here that long. 
but uh, I know obviously a lot of people that have been have lived there, here their whole lives, and I know I've spoken to some people, mm. and they solely vote based on a billboard because they don't they don't want to do the research mm. or they can't be bothered doing the research, so they just see a billboard. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just vote for that person. Which obviously I don't think is the right way of going about it. But No, so thank you for doing what you're doing because this is exactly one of the methods that we can talk more deeply on issues and people are going to listen in. Yeah, well, this learn. is why I've done this for multiple reasons and one of them is a selfish reason so I can find out what the policies <laughs> are for each candidate. But then it's also to provide uh, a platform for you guys to mm. be able to get your word yeah. across. And I always appreciate that. I'll talk to any group no matter whether they're a politically um, inclined group or not, happy to go to, the, to their gathering, talk to them. I've had a few meetings at people's homes, which I've been invited to. That's, That's really cool. nice because then you may have 15 or 16 people to talk to that yeah, um, yeah. really want to understand and... Um, that's fine. I very rarely, t well, I don't ever turn down an opportunity from the public. I think we're here to represent the public. They have a right to hear from us and we should front up and listen to what they've got to say and, and, and discuss. Yeah, totally. Um, the biggest frustration for me in that, this, in this topic, is the 150 words you put in the candidate booklet. 150 words. Oh, yes. So yes. I can put my photo and hope that people recognize me. And then I can write 150 words. Now, I invite you to have a look because they are on the um, Hamilton City Council um, website. Although there's some spelling mistakes in mine that were not my my doing to staff error. So, what, so it's on the Hamilton City Council page? Or? Yeah, on the elections page. Okay. And um, please excuse the spelling errors. Staff have apologised to me and we'll be fixing that up on Monday. <laughs> but, you know, that happens. Um, but, you know, when you read through them, and I did read through them, I thought... There's a lot of similarity in here, here, you know. Everybody's talking about rates control. Everyone's talking about growth. Everyone's talking about transport in some way. And everybody's singing their own praises and saying, you know, I am the best, I am the most experienced, I am whatever I am. Yeah, yeah. You well, know? it's it's been interesting having the different candidates on here because I get to understand why they look at things the way they do. And because I think also part of the problem is when you have – when people are emotionally affected. So if somebody enacts a policy and it affects them in a negative way, yeah. they they high, they have like an emotional, they respond to it in a negative way mm. emotionally and they can all, almost mm. hold a grudge, mm. you know, and they, mm. they, because you control their livelihoods in a way. So yeah. they can't always look at things objectively. No. And this is, this is obviously... I'm not pointing out anyone specific thing. This is a human nature thing. We all do this mm, to a degree. We do. So I, I mean, I try to make sure that I, I look at everything objectively with every candidate that that speaks. Um, so like, yeah, it's it's important because do you do you see stuff or see comments or anything, and something has been misinterpreted. You know, oh, that, I mean, as a, as a counsellor, you you've said something, or oh yes, and yes, it, and I go back to that person and I offer them a chance to talk with me more fully. Yeah, either I can correct it and um, or respond politely back, or I can give them my number and say, hey, you know, uh, I see that you have some concerns about this. Please talk to me, and they do. And I tell you what, that is really good because most of the time, you know, you, even if they still disagree with the vote that you made or something. 
when they understand the rationale, when they've spoken to you as a person, when they see that you're willing to respond, you know, all animosity goes away and then we're, you know, we're friendly again and yeah, polite. Yeah. Um, it is all about people wanting to understand. And that's the most important thing for me going forward in this election is I want to create a more positive, open council. Mm. Uh, I want to, for two reasons, for the public. Our public engagement is is poor. In fact, in the um, Shape Your City report. <laughs> She's um, prepared, people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I have to bring my notes sometimes. But I was funny. It was funny because I opened up the front, the first page. Which so is, is, this, the, is this is this out in the public? Yes, you can get a hard copy of this one. Okay. And Where can it's I get on, it? Uh, libraries, uh, libraries in the city council, okay. or, or you can get it online. It's called Have Your Say. It's the pre-election report that the chief executive is required okay. to do. But I opened up the very first page, and he says here, one of our biggest challenges is an immediate one. We simply must increase wider community engagement in the business of council and in the running of our city. And I wrote down here, yes, I said this three years ago. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and to be honest uh, and fair, I've been talking with uh, Richard as the C chief executive, trying to drive better community engagement and public participation for the last but, three years. Yeah, well, here's, here's the thing. This leads into my next question because part of the problem is getting young people yes. engaged yes. to vote. Like, uh, I know Louise, obviously, as a young person, um, she's she's really really pushing for this hmm. but it's a difficult thing because young people are just so caught up in their old thing you know i mean i'm i'm uh, 33 and i've only really recently kind of gone to politics within yep. the last couple of years mm -hmm. before that i didn't really i was too busy doing other stuff so i understand that young people have a lot on their minds yeah, I know you're you're you go to quite a lot of the different schools and you're yes, heavily invested. Yeah. I in have that. done for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you speak to a lot of these young people, what what's some of the the feedback that you hear from them? Like how how many of them are even engaged or know much about politics at all? There there is a strong vein of people that are surprisingly. Um, you look at what's happening with Hillcrest High School. I met um, at the Moscow Open Day yesterday. I met a, a young man who was talking about a group of students he's working with to increase democracy across all sorts of political issues, not local, just local government, but to get yeah, people yeah, thinking. Yeah. And that is something that's happening. We're getting some more empowered young people coming through the education system who are saying, right, I'm a thinker. I want to think about this. I want to reflect on what's going on. I want to say something. That's awesome. But you, yeah. So maybe we'll see that reflected in a better trend of voting. I hope. But where where I go is there are organisations out there that do a sterling job with their youth, where their youth have already connected with them. Seed, yeah. Waikato. I've been to some of their events. Yep. They're great. I, yep. go, I, go, I don't go to every one because I think it would be a bit weird if someone my age sat in on all their meetings. But I go sufficiently enough to get a, an understanding of what they're about. Yeah. Um, Zeal, H-Town, all yep. of those kind of networks functioning. I opposed the um, ban the binning of the youth council, but I don't think the youth council structure was probably the best way of engaging with youth. Yeah. But what I'm proposing to do is to re-establish some forums and hubs with key sectors, including youth. But youth would have to co-design that because they know how they want to be involved. They know where they go to be involved. They know who they speak to. They know how they want to communicate. Uh, so it would be pointless councils setting up a structure and saying, oh, here's a place for youth to come and talk to us. Yeah. A youth council, a youth hub or whatever. 
I think we'd have to sit down with Zeal and Seed and H-Town and others and go, you know, if you wanted to um, have a better engagement with the council, what would it look like? How could we help you to achieve that? Yeah, We've got this new comms manager, uh, Natalie. Um, she came from Waipa. And I heard her speak at the local government conference and she was phenomenal. She also believes we're just scratching the surface of what we can achieve. I hope I'm back on council because I want to sit down with her. One of the first things I do and say, how do we get better public engagement? How do we yeah. bring your fantastic ideas to the table? <laughs> Maybe I'll get the chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I think part of the problem as well is I think a lot of, because people, this is what they do. You should be really voting on policies, but we tend to have this thing to have, we need to have an emotional connection yeah. with the person as well, right? Yeah. And there'll be a lot of young people that say can't relate to any of the people in council because, you know, none of them are in their age bracket. Yes. So they're not they're not engaged. I mean, obviously I've seen this year that there's a lot of young people um, as mayor candidates and, and councillors and stuff, which is which I think also helps. Mm, does. It, it, yeah, yeah. We need a more representative council. I think we'd all agree with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's, uh, I, I suppose it's because usually when people are voting, the majority of the people are, you know, mm. um, 50 and above, isn't it? Mm. The people who vote in these in these elections. Oh, there's a large band of um, seniors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it's spread through from, you know, like you say, 35 upwards. Um, youth do vote. They just vote in low numbers. But let's be uh, real. The whole population votes in low numbers. And what's that about? Yeah. You know? Well, I think it, particularly yeah, with local elections as opposed mm. to um, the central government elections as people are a lot less engaged. Yeah. Or they don't even know about it. Yeah. I mean, I only recently worked out exactly. I had William Durning on here, who's running as a yep. um, regional yep. council candidate, and he was explaining to me the difference between the regional council and the district council because there's mm. so many different councils. Mm. Mm. Would you be for an amalgamation of the different councils? Because I've spoken to some people who think that it's a good thing, and the only reason why I say this is because I'm originally from Auckland, right? Yeah, yes. And everything got the super city going uh, yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> So you've got everything under one umbrella, yeah. Which is, would bring, which brings with it both pros and cons. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm just keen for your thoughts on it because there are there are drawbacks to that. Yeah, yeah. And actually, local government, New Zealand as a body, is uh, is sort of going backwards from that uh, idea of super cities and super mm. centres. Um, they're very strong on localism at the moment. Yeah. I have um, some concerns with localism if it means that you can be so small and local that you can ignore cost efficiencies and savings at a bigger scale. Uh, but I'm, I'm not, I don't think an amalgamation is necessary at this time, but what I do think is a cooperation between neighbouring councils is vital. Um, so that's where our relationship with Waikato District, um, Waipa, and Matamata Piako is paramount, really, um, because, you know, uh, we, we work with them all the time. Our roads lead to their roads yeah, yeah. and so on. Interconnected. Yeah. So the Hamilton-Auckland uh, corridor plan is important, that we agree on the priorities and we well, that, work together to implement those. Well, that happened pretty quick, mm. um, yes, given, it, given the amount of parties involved. Well, it didn't, it didn't, because to be honest, I've been involved in that work for about 
eight years. It started really? with the regional council. Okay. Yep, it did. Um, it was Future Proof was kicked off by the regional council as a response to government's um, plea that we all talk with one voice. Yeah. Uh, and um, I was part of the establishment of uh, Waikato Means Business, which has now been superseded by Tawaka Regional Economic Development Agency. Uh, so I was at the front end of that argument, and I was also a member of the Upper North Island Strategic Alliance, which is called UNISA, working yeah. with Auckland. Okay. And um, uh, those conversations have been had for a long time, so we've been weaving the strands together, getting agreement. Nothing happens super speedy in local government, sadly. Why is that? Because of the complexity, because of the number of people involved, because you've sometimes got to... Um, um, in, so in this case, influence there, government. So in this case, let's say there was an amalgamation. You know, hypothetically, yeah. this already happened. Then say, you know, something like the train would happen a lot quicker because there would really only be Hamilton One. and Auckland and the New Zealand Transport Agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't found uh, Waikato District to be a barrier in the train discussion. Discussion though, this is all about working collaboratively through the mayoral forum and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. What I am a favour in favour of is strengthening the local authority shared services model. Less, it's called, and that's where literally what it says is local gov local authorities join up together yeah. to jointly manage services to share the management of services. Right, and they've done that, in, uh, for example, successfully with the renewal and maintenance of roading. You know, so um, the same contractor, same standard, those kind of things, which brings an economy of scale. I think we could do more of that. I'm also certain that we could do water management in a more economic scale if we had have been able to work with um, Waikato and Waipa. And that's pretty tragic because that whole um, opportunity fell over because of our local politics. Yeah. So uh, because Waipa couldn't get across the line with their elected members or a couple of their elected members could not get across the line for a shared service. Well, um, I, I remember, I think I just read a couple of days ago that the, the current mayor of the Waipa district mm -hmm. is going uncontested because yeah. he's got, he, he doesn't have anything to worry about. Cause yeah, isn't nobody... that nice? <laughs> <laughs> and and that's, that's part of the reason why there should be amalgamation, but. I mean, whether that happens, because the problem is in, in Auckland with the amalgamation is some areas get, you know, mm. all the funding and the resources and others get neglected. So that is one of the drawbacks of amalgamation as, as yes. well. So, And that's one of the thrusts of the localism work that local government New Zealand is doing. Sometimes they feel that local councils are in the right place to know what locals need and to respond. And the bigger yeah. you get, the less you can respond at a local scale. Uh, so I think it's horses for courses. Sometimes you should join up for some services and sometimes you need to remember who's yeah. paying the rates and those are the locals. It's a little bit of both. Um, and different towns have different needs, different styles, different wants. Because what's happening though is a lot of these towns, a lot of the people from there are commuting into Hamilton for work. Yes, they are. Yeah. So obviously when people are moving, they're not necessarily moving to just Hamilton. They might be moving to Cambridge or Huntley or yeah. or whatever. And obviously they're commuting into Hamilton and using mm. the Hamilton services, you know, that that the Hamilton ratepayers are paying for. And yet, so, but their rates are going towards their council as opposed to yes. the roads that they're using in terms of Hamilton. So I see. Yes, that is part of the argument. And yeah. just to just to bring a contrary argument to that, 
um, just play devil's advocate on that. Yeah. Uh, they bring economy into Hamilton because that's where they're working. So that's where they're buying their lunch. That's the company they're supporting. Valid point. Yes. So, you know, there's always, I mean, this is the thing with politics. Uh, it's not often black and white. It's actually it's shades never of black gray. and white. <laughs> no, so it's all shades of grey, yeah. you know. Um, and that's where having dialogue and debate with the community once again is uh, important. But the, the thing is, like, I mean, I go on Facebook and there's like some political groups and you know, uh, people comment and they try to make it black and white. Yeah. And I hate you, those yes, no questions you get at candidate meetings. Did yeah, you? yeah. Well, and like you, it's a lot of the time it's there's shades of grey, but they don't want to hear a shades of grey. No. They just want everything packaged into a yes or no. And it's like, well, it's not as simple as that. But yeah, and that's difficult if you're a, a balanced sort of person like me. I'm, um, I believe I'm fair, but I believe I am a reflective and balanced leader. So I tend to take some time to consider the pros and the cons of everything. You know, what what are the advantages? How does this get us positive outcomes? What's yeah, the, what's yeah. need? You, you've got to do all of that. Most of your decisions ought to be data driven in the sense that you know you should have some solid evidence for what you're doing. Oh, totally. I mean. I, even before I got Andrew on here, I had all these people in my ear saying they didn't like him, blah, 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 blah. You're saying yeah. all these bad things about him. And I was like, okay, I have to get that out. I can't let that affect me. I have to be objective and stuff. And yeah. when I talked to him, he, he seemed like a nice guy. Um, obviously, not all of his policies I agree with, um, or with anybody's for that matter. You know, mm, you're never going to mm. fully agree with someone, but um, I could appreciate having a chat to it. Because when you speak to someone face-to-face, yeah, it's a lot different than, say, watching a video online or reading, you know, a snippet of an interview that's been posted online yeah. or even something that's in the New Zealand Herald or stuff, you know. And yeah. it's very easy for stuff to be misinterpreted. Um yeah, so it's 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 a difficult So that's difficult why thing. even though, you know, you you and I have both acknowledged that the candidate meetings um don't provide enough a length to the speakers, it still is really important for the public to get along to those. Yes. And meet their candidate and, you know, shuffle up to them at the cup of tea time at the end and say, you know, look, do you mind if I ask you a bit more? Yeah. Uh, it does help. And you get a, an impression, everybody around council has got skills and experience and everyone's got nice aspects to them. But you can then see who is the person who most represents your way of working. Yeah, and I encourage everyone to get over it, uh, along to the mayor yeah. debate when it, whenever it is, whenever oh, it is, so, September, September yeah. or something, isn't it? Yeah. I've got a lot more meetings before that. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have to yeah. check your day. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we uh, wrap up, I do want to ask, so when you're, when you're not running campaigns and you're doing all this... Uh, council of work and stuff at the council what do you like to do in your spare time i do i've gone back to ballroom dancing i used to be really uh, yes yes so i used to be a big angela does dancing as well yes i used to dance in the same studio as angela um and do you uh, have um and she told me she used to be a dancer and i encouraged her to go back to that studio which she did have you ever had and, a dance off with her uh we've danced at no, we've done some. No, no, she's actually a very good dancer. She said she was very good. She is yes. very good dancer. Um, I'm not too bad though. I managed to get um, you know uh, distinction in uh, my ballroom gold medals years ago. Um, but then I was playing basketball and I um, did. You some... play basketball? Oh, but well, yeah. Is that surprising with me how tall I am? <laughs> yeah. yeah no, can I'm... you slam dunk? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, 
I loved basketball, but uh, I had a couple of years of injuries that needed repair <sighs> and surgery. And then yeah. I think it was the two broken. The yeah, and two broken ribs was the end of it for me. It was like, ouch, no more. Um, but then I went back to my ballroom dancing, um, a different studio, but um, uh, a nice gentleman uh, who also wanted to get back into his dancing uh, partners me. So oh, that's wow. really because my husband won't do it. <laughs> he just won't, he says he can't count. Um, uh, and, you know, that's fun. Uh, but I do, I'm a very family oriented person. So uh, when I'm not working, I do like to try and spend some time with my daughters. Which, get, is, which yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I enjoy all of the activities of Hamilton. I was at a work function uh, and a celebration, which was awesome last night of Cote Pacifica's 20 years. Yeah. Um, but after that, I went, uh, my husband was at the darts. After that, I joined him at the darts and got to see the darts final. Oh, so, wow. you know, like I'm I'm into anything that's going because it's yeah, a yeah. lot of fun. Uh, yeah, we play a bit of uh, garage table tennis too. He's better than me. <laughs> but. <laughs> but it's good, like with, with having kids and stuff, yeah. they'd probably provide you with a bit of um, intel and how to... Yeah, um, what the youth are getting into. That's right. Yeah. My daughters are in their in their twenties, so you know oh, that yeah. that cohort, and I've got a stepson so as huge, well. Huge advantage so, for you then. Uh, yeah, well, in yeah. some senses. Yeah, yeah in yeah. some senses, uh, they're my number ones fans, of course. So. Of course, yeah. But uh, yeah, so look, I'm a family person. I love going to the movies. I like it on the big screen. And um, what's oh, your favorite? What's your favorite type of films? I uh, love a good drama, but I also like some of those really awesome English comedies because oh. they've got a really good sense of humour, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but there again, I'll, I'll, I'm pretty diverse with my tastes. I'm one of those people who thinks, oh, I'll give that a go. Do you, you know? do you go out in public, though, and people stop you and start yes, talking always. to you? Yes, yeah? always. Yeah. So, like, even if you went to, say, I don't know, event cinemas or something and went to watch a film yeah. and you're standing in line to get a ticket. People... Always. Hi, Paula. <laughs> uh, people are lovely, though. Yeah. They're, they're never uh, disrespectful. Um, but yes, you know, I get recognized everywhere. You know, I, I could be buying. Do you ever it. walk around with a cap? And be like... <laughs> people, I could go and buy, you know, a pair of shoes, and the, the lady serving me will say, Oh, you Paula Southgate. And I go, Yes. yes I, well, I suppose it's good in a way that people know who you are. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. Look, that's public service. Yeah, it is. It is. Comes with the My territory. daughters have been used to that because they come out with me and they think, Well, oh, go for a Here coffee. Go or yeah. yeah, yeah. And guaranteed somebody will speak to them. But they're absolutely used to that. And if I am with my family and it's, we're trying to have a lovely lunch, um, I will say to people, Look, can I grab your number? If if it's more than a hello, I well, yeah, say, yeah. can I grab your number and I'll call you Monday? Mm. And everyone's good with that. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll probably wrap up there unless there's something else and specifically well, I, you want to talk about. I do. I do actually just okay. want to talk about one thing, if I might. Sure. That has come up a bit more often lately. Okay. I'm running for mayor and only mayor. Right. Okay. And right. People ask me now why I'm not running for council again. Okay. And why is that? It's because I need to do things different and positively. You know, I think we can have a much more respectful, inclusive type of council. Yeah, I, yeah. I respect Andrew. I like Andrew, but I do not want to work under Andrew's team at, at next term at all. I want to create a, a council where your full abilities are appreciated mm -hmm. and that you're sought for advice, where you're involved in decision-making better than we currently are. Um, we've got some very good talented people around council now and there's some amazing talent in the candidate new candidates yeah 
I want to create a council where all of those people are valued and have input mm. into into the decision making of the city. But they can bring their blue sky ideas, their fresh ideas as well, and have those valued and respected. And I want to create a culture of better respect around the council table. I have seen um, uh, the public come and present to council and and disrespectful behaviour from councillors. Yeah. I know there is disrespectful behaviour between councillors as well. Well, and and yeah. you know the, the mayor is the standard bearer, you know. And I believe that if everybody's valued, and they're doing something that they feel passionately engaged in, yeah, the council will be stronger and better. Yeah, which fair enough. It's, mm. it's it's valid. Do you have any idea of what you'd want to do after politics, though? Or would you oh, stay? Look, would you still stay in politics if after this, you know, you were like, oh, okay. Um, well, worst, have, worst case scenario, obviously, if you yeah. did win, then yeah, I, ha- I haven't got a plan B because it's a distraction from what I'm trying to achieve here. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Eighteen years in politics. Well, you've been doing uh, it a long time. Yeah, and I've been in governance for twenty-five years because before that, I was on a number of boards, including board of trustees and chairperson of the board of trustees and those sorts of things. Yeah. So I have been in the game for a long time. I think it is time now to step up or to move on to a fresh opportunity. But I'm focused on stepping up at this point in time. That's my 100% focus. I have things that I do do. I'm on a couple of boards. Um, I do some work for government from time to time when they ask me on advisory boards. I've just got onto one, uh, a tourism-related one, just recently. Um, I'm also a trained funeral celebrant, actually, as well. So I've done a couple of those. Really? Um, okay. Haven't That's... had much time lately to say yes to that. Yeah. Um, you know, so who knows? But but I do feel... Well, you have a lot of skills, so... I, I do have yeah. a lot of skills. I do have a lot of skills and a lot of connections. Um, mm. So I'm not going to give too much thought to plan B. I'm just going to focus, focus 110% on, on plan A at this time. Yeah, well, um, I'm sure everyone can respect that. Mm. Um, mm. So, and look, I appreciate all the support I've had over this 18 years. I really do, irrespective of where we all end up with this. I, I totally yeah, appreciate well, I'm, the support. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. You know? Yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah I, it's hard to unseat an encumbrant. It's hard to unseat an encumbrant. Um, yeah, uh, most times times the the standing mayor gets re-elected. Not always, though. And um, there again, as I've said before, uh, I can only do what I can afford to do. Yeah. And unfortunately, in this game of, of politics, um, you know, if you have more money, you can buy a bigger, bolder, brighter campaign, can't you? In some senses, yes. But I do think the age of social media has mm. uh, thrown a curveball into the mix of implemented right and there are so many different ways of getting your word out there rather than just a massive billboard now obviously there will always be people that will vote based on billboards but i think it is more than that and i um i mean there's not like an odds on favorite i think i don't think there's one Mm. particular candidate Mm. that everyone's expecting to win i Mm. think it's it's an open playing field it um, is. Yeah. Remembering that last time I lost by yes. six. Yes. Well, people, people, six. you know, some people are like, can you ask her about that? And I'm like, why would I ask her about that? Like how you felt after it? I'm like, oh, oh do well, everyone else has. 
Yeah, but I'm sure you didn't feel the greatest. Although, did you? I what? If I had been in your position, I probably would have got a boxing bag or joined a boxing class or something to probably get rid of all the frustration and the um of it that it was well, down I, to the wire. I knew the risk when I set off on the uh, on that adventure, and I know yeah. the risk now. But of course, you put your heart and soul into it. Plus oh, a lot, of plus a lot of money, by the way. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Heart and soul was the most important thing. Wait. Every hour of the day and night, just about, I was totally exhausted. Yeah. Um, and then to lose by six, only six, 0.03% or whatever that was, was hard for that for that little bit of time. I accept it because it's de- it's democracy. Yeah. People said to me, it, does it goes... Andrew have a mandate now with only six votes? And I said, he'd have a mandate if he won by only one vote because yeah. that is democracy. Um, STV might have delivered a different outcome because I had at least two and a half thousand more votes to be the highest polling candidate on the East yeah. than either of us got in the mayoral race. Interesting, isn't it? Well, I can't, you can't always rely on polls. That's the no. problem because it, it, it provides a, it's a small niche. You yeah. know, people thought Trump wasn't going to win yeah. the election in the US and yeah. he did, you know. And, and, he, and that shows and social media, doesn't it? Yeah, because... and Brexit and stuff as well. So like polling doesn't really, I mean, even with polling with Winston Peters, you know, he's always... You know he's not going to get in, and every year he, no. every election he manages to get in, even though that he's polling low. So I don't think, I mean, I don't even know where you vote in these polls. I don't even know where you go to vote in them. So I'm they like, usually I, they usually tele telephone polls. Are um, they? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that's not enough um, data to to show yeah. anything. I think. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, I ran a poll last election. It might surprise you to know, but um, it cost me a thousand dollars per person that I wanted to poll. And because Rob was a, a counsellor of uh, seniority, so I thought, you know, I uh, was taking that very seriously because he has um, had strengths and following. Yeah. And then uh, Chris Simpson was um, an intelligent, sharp, business-focused man who was getting a, quite a bit of cut through. Uh, so I only polled for myself and those two, and I didn't poll for Andrew at all. Well, he wasn't even the odds-on favourite to no, win, was that, he? No, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, so I, I, I mean, I wasn't here at that stage, or uh, but like I, or I just gotten here, so I wasn't up to the play with it. But um, I understand that it caught a lot of people off guard because nobody was expecting it. That that's right, and I'll tell you a sweet story that I um, bumped into a senior woman who came up to me and apologised uh, about two weeks after the election. She said, "Oh, Paula, I'm so sorry," and I said, "Why?" She said, I, I think I'm partly to blame. And I said, no, you're not. And she said, well, I did my form and I posted it and I nagged my husband to do his and he did do it and he put it on the kitchen bench, but we forgot to post it. Uh, and I said to her, it's not your fault. It's it's not your fault. It's, it's, it's life and it happens. Yeah. But it was that's how, you know, like you were talking about that emotional um, connection. She'd really wanted me to be successful and felt somehow responsible in some small measure, but of course she wasn't. Yeah. Um, that's that's the life of politics. You take the risk. But you've probably come out stronger as a result. Yes, I th- I think so. You learn something from every success and every failure. Yeah, I think I think every every you know whether it's a loss. Um, sometimes you need the losses for the wins. Like yeah. let's say if you win this election, you'll probably value it that much more because 
Yes, I, yes I think time. I think so. Yeah. And I and I have to tell you, um, you know, it depends on the sort of person that you are. If I was the person to take the easy route, I would just be running for a seat on the east. Yeah. And um, I'm not that sort of person because I feel I've got something to offer, some really good ideas. People should look at my website. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I'm not that sort of person. I'm not going to settle uh, for the easy option. I want to push for using my full potential for this city, and that's yeah. what I've done. And it comes with a risk. Yeah. I know that. Well, you've served for a long time. Mm. And you've you've helped a lot of people through the years, and a lot of people love you. Um, so you should be mm. proud of the work you've done, um, regardless of of what happens. You know, mm. I wish you all the best. Thank with you your, very much. With your um, with the with the election, if if you do win, you're welcome to come back on. Yes, we will, mm. won't we? Yes, <laughs> yes. I'll I'll be happy to talk over everything in full detail if you wish. Um, but yeah, so in, in regards to the election, where can everybody contact you in terms of social media and, and yeah, all that? So jazz? I have got a Facebook page, Paula Southgate for Hamilton City. I have got a website, which for those people who want to drill down and say, well, how is she going to control the finances? How is she going to look after community assets and those kind of things? That's all on there. Yep. So I invite people to have a look. Funnily enough, uh, websites don't, people don't go to websites quite as much as you'd think. Um, but you know, um, talk about bumping into me in the street. Do at this at this time, I'm happy for anyone to come up to me anywhere and say hi and ask me a question. And my phone number is oh two one oh two seven three one three nine eight. There again, that's um, that's available on my website. And uh, look, you know, if in doubt, uh, check it out is what I say. If in doubt, check it out. You want to know something? Check it out with me, and I'll let you know. Good motto. Good yeah. motto. Yep. Uh, so that's that's the show, uh, guys. Make sure that you vote. Don't leave it on the kitchen bench. So make sure that you get out and, and you vote this election because it's very important. You know, it came down to six votes last one. So it's living proof that your vote counts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's the show, Thank everyone. You. See ya. Thank you.